Welcome to the premier edition of On the Green Front, uh, Green Front Radio on Voice America Green Talk Network. I'm Betsy Rosenberg. Betsy Rosenberg, that is. I'm your host for the next 13 weeks and hopefully beyond. I'm very excited and even a little bit nervous. I'm a radio professional going back, well, longer than I even want to admit, but after a nearly uh, two-year hiatus from radio, it's really, really exciting to be coming back and with new technology as well. So I'm kind of back behind the microphone or the equivalent with this new technology, which somehow through the magic of the Internet and good old-fashioned telephones, I can bring you the latest news and views from the front lines of the green movement. For those of you who don't know my name and have not heard of EcoTalk, which was the name of my prior program, well, I have been on the green front reporting on what I call the eco-evolution since long before it was popular to cover all things green. That goes back to about 1997 when on Earth Day, 97, that was last century, folks, I uh, launched a feature called Trash Talk on KCBS Radio. That's a CBS radio-owned and operated station in San Francisco. That was all about reduce, reuse, recycle, waste prevention tips. My news director predicted it would last about three weeks. Well, I did that feature for 10 years until, no, I didn't run out of material, but I had finally achieved my goal of having environmental stories on in the daily radio news mix, even if I wasn't doing them. So in 2004, I launched EcoTalk, which was a one-hour interview program focused exclusively on green issues. That was on the Air America Network, the uh, Liberal Network. That became the first green program to air weekly, and eventually we went daily, Monday through Friday, prime time, on a commercial radio network. Now, I quit that program back in spring of 07 when green finally went mainstream and seemed everybody was talking about environmental issues and just in time. So I collapsed pretty much in exhaustion, emotional, financial, (laughs) um, personal exhaustion, and had to get my personal sustainability back in check. So now that everyone else has green on their minds and lips, uh, it might seem an odd time to be getting back on the airwaves. But I think not. I think it's a really terrific time, a perfect time to be talking about all the issues that we face, all the challenges, and all the opportunities. So uh, this is what I do. That's why I couldn't stay away too long. I know too much, basically, to do anything else about our many challenges and uh, all the opportunities that abound to basically save ourselves. Remember back in the 1970s, some of you older listeners, we had the first Earth Day, and that was about saving the planet, saving Mother Earth and the birds and the bees. Well, we will be talking about what's happening with our vanishing bee population, but really it's about saving ourselves. It's about um, how we are all threatened, not only humans, but all living creatures on this beautiful place we call Earth. And while there is the uh, awareness out there now, we have a whole lot of work to do to really make that sea change in, in the way we operate and do business and live, as I say before, the sea changes on us. So I want to, uh, first of all, commend and thank Voice America for having a Green Talk channel. When I heard about it, how could I not be part of it? It's so fabulous to have so many great green shows, you know, before mine, after mine, already airing. They have been up for um, a couple of weeks, in some cases a couple of months. I know some of the hosts on there, Jill Buck, was on my program talking about her Go Green School initiative years ago. And really it was kind of uh, like being a lone voice in the wilderness for so long that it's just terrific to see. And I knew it all along that uh, there's a lot of people who realize the environmental beat, the green beat, is really the most compelling, the most important, the most exciting one we could possibly be covering. So uh, with that, I just want to uh, welcome our listeners, our guests. I'll get to them in a moment. also want to thank our charter sponsors uh, and, and also really just acknowledge that there's really been a perfect storm of um, events, you know, going back a couple of years ago with hurricanes Katrina, Wilma, and Rita back-to-back, followed by skyrocketing gasoline prices. And then, of course, all those consistently continuing, consistently dire reports of melting glaciers and uh, just record high levels of global CO2 emissions. All that finally has people listening and wanting to know more and demanding information and demanding solutions. And again, the good news is there are as many solutions as there are challenges. also want to acknowledge um, NPR's Living on Earth. They've been doing green radio longer than I have. They were on uh, and still are doing a fabulous job on public radio, but I've always felt that commercial radio, which does tend to reach the masses and now Internet radio, also deserves a green show, or in this case, uh, dozens of green shows of their own. So I want to uh, now just also acknowledge our new president. I was lucky enough to be in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration of Barack Obama. Uh, my daughter, my 14-year-old, made me, a, made me a little name tag that said, Black is the new green. Uh, president Obama gets it, and boy, what a difference uh, president makes. Uh, hearing him talking about the stimulus package this week, about providing this so important uh, shot in the arm, financial shot in the arm needed to help keep all these renewable energy in 
interests and initiatives alive, all the uh, people working to bring solar panels to rooftops across America. They were starting to lay people off. And if uh, any of you saw that um, signing in uh, Denver, Colorado, with President uh, Barack Obama and also the head of the Namaste Solar Company based in uh, Colorado, they were saying they're about to lay people off. They'd started to. And now because of the stimulus package, they're going to be not only hiring people back but expanding. So let's just acknowledge how um, what, a, what, a, what a crossroads we're at and what an exciting time this is to be alive, to be um, really at a fork in the road, and to be part of the many solutions, as I've been referring to. want to, uh, again, uh, thank our listeners, our sponsors, and they are Clorox and their new line of natural cleaning products called Greenworks. I love them. We'll be talking about them as we go forward. also want to thank Mighty Leaf Tea. The folks over there are friends of mine. It's my favorite tea company. It would be even if they weren't my friends. They have a great line of green tea, beginning with Green Tea Tropical. It's a great way to start your day and your green routine. And last but absolutely not least, our um, premier content partner, that's Sustainable Life Media. been working with them for about six months doing podcasts. Uh, they have fabulous conferences. They help uh, companies go green in a very supportive and nurturing and informative environment. You'll be meeting their founder and CEO in just a moment. And then a little bit later in the program, we'll be uh, welcoming John Marshall Roberts to our show for our uh, debut edition. He is a former psychology professor, also an author and a master communicator. He has a new book out. He communicates most effectively on social change, specifically um, to our interests on sustainability issues. So uh, now you might be saying, why is she sounding so upbeat and excited? We are, you know, heading down into the dumps with our economy. We're in a free fall, it seems. What's what's so exciting? Well, as we're going to hear from Coanne Vickerin Skruzenertz. How'd I do? That was pretty good, Betsy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm most nervous about getting Coanne's last name right <laughs> after um, all these years not on the radio. It wasn't being back on the wave, airwaves. It was really just uh, getting Coanne's name right. Welcome to the program, Coanne. Thanks so much, Betsy. It's great to be with you. And great to have um, such good friends uh, joining me in this um, launch edition of On the Green Front. And, and really, um, I remember over the years that I've been reporting on green issues, over the last 12 years, really, uh, people saying, you know, business is where the change is going to happen. It's, it's not really, we're not going to make that, that term. We're not going to turn the ship around until business really gets on board. And I thought, okay, well, great, let's, let's get going. When is business going to make that change? And it has happened in a big way. And, and your company, Sustainable Life Media, has really been in the forefront of that change. And you, you offer a, a really, um, great way for companies that are either tiptoeing into the green water uh, or wanting to go, you know, deeper quickly um, to learn how to do it, what mistakes to avoid, and we're going to be talking about that, how you how you actually operate and about your conferences, uh, especially one coming up in the next couple of months. But just uh, before we uh, go to break, we have a couple of minutes to hear about your vision and, and what made you decide to launch Sustainable Life Media. You are a seasoned businesswoman who worked in the corporate uh, world for many years before you decided to uh, um, make that eco-U-turn or left turn. Uh, absolutely, you're right. Um, Betsy, I come from an 18-year background in, in uh, business-to-business media, as a, formerly as an executive at a big multinational trade publisher called um, United Business Media, which is now a U.K. company. And during that time, I, I had an opportunity to first work in the natural, natural resources markets. In the 80s, I had some exposure to environmental issues, launched a conference on CFCs, removing CFCs from the refrigeration um, units, if you may recall, back back that time, and and also uh, was involved in looking at um, sustainable forestry and log utilization very early on and in waste paper management all the way back in the 80s. So I do have some exposure there. Um, In the 90s, I became involved in launching new media properties for emerging technology markets and really became passionate about innovation in general and about how media, um, online, face-to-face events and, and print and so on, working together could help coalesce a market of uh, an emerging market particularly. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to leave my corporate role and spend a little bit of time um, in 2000 with my kids and uh, took a little bit of a sabbatical and during that time uh, looked looked around me at the world around me, um, started a management consultancy that was really focusing on one of my parallel passions, which is purpose-driven leadership and um, helping companies understand the bottom-line benefit to, to uh, leading from a per- place of purpose. And that led me to um, clients who were very involved in the sustainability space. Um, one of my first clients had Paul Hawken and Anita Roddick on their board, and um, once... 
uh, once you become exposed to the thinking coming from from quarters like that, uh, the light goes on for you, and um, from there, uh, you know, just just began to look around at all the emergence that was happening in this market space, and felt that there was an opportunity out there to take some of my knowledge in in um, media as a catalyst for markets and apply it to this space. You mentioned Paul Hawken and the late, great uh, Dame Anita Roddick, um, among the favorite guests of mine over the years. Yes. And, uh, boy, talk about pioneers, eco-pioneers, and there's so many more. And uh, you say you're a parent, and I am too, and there's nothing more than, than being a mother or father to uh, motivate one to do their best to um, give our children a chance at having this beautiful um, place we call home, uh, you know, support life and, and to have a place where we can not only survive and thrive. When we come back from our first spot break, we're going to be talking to Coanne about how she gave birth to Sustainable Life Media. You just heard about the background and the beginning of it, but how it evolved and how it has continued to evolve and, and the exciting place they are at now. You're listening to On the Green Front Radio with Betsy Rosenberg. Stay with us. Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Join forward-looking business thinkers, brand strategists, designers, sustainability executives, and communications experts at the third annual gathering of business leaders focused on innovating for sustainability. Sustainability is the key driver of business opportunity and brand value in today's business climate. Sustainable Brands Conference promises to inspire, equip, and engage you to build business success by doing good. Over the years, market-making companies like Coca-Cola, Clorox, GE, HP, Johnson & Johnson, Nestle, Purina, Office Depot, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, Toyota, Walmart, and many others have often brought surprising and revelatory stories of sustainable brand success to the event, in turn spurring similar innovation in other companies. The three-day Sustainable Brands Conference is taking place at the Monterey Conference Center, the former home of the TED Conference from May 31st to June 4th. Early registration rates are in effect, and EcoTalk listeners will receive a complimentary night stay at the Monterey Marriott, the conference hotel, by using code ECOTALK 4H until rooms are sold out. For more information, visit us online at www.sustainablebrands09.com or call 650-344-9693. That's 650-344-9693. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. This is the Green Talk Network, helping to provide a sustainable future for us all. You're listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. The phone lines are open for your comments and questions at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send Betsy Rosenberg an email. Her address is Betsy at thegreenfront.com. Now back to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. 
And a whole new name for a whole new show. I even have a new uh, email address. And, and as of 15 minutes ago, I am uh, on instant messaging, thanks to my 14-year-old daughter who got me set up with the studio so we can talk to each other. This is really a great setup. We were just saying during the break, Coanne and our next guest, John Marshall Roberts, who will be joining us in the segment, how um, emission-free this method is of uh, all being able to call in, phone it in, phone the show in. But it works uh, because we're all in various parts of California in this case. Uh, but we can be talking to people around the country, around the globe. And uh, thanks to the magic, again, of um, both the Internet and uh, Voice America's technology there in a studio in Arizona and good old-fashioned telephones, we can have this great conversation. And we look forward to welcoming your calls. Uh, for the first week or two, we want to just uh, keep it to our guests while we uh, get used to this new format. But really thrilled to be back on the green front talking with our guest, Coen vickerin Skrzinic. I'm That's beautiful. Really, really good at names and Coan, who's become imagine what it's like carrying it around. <laughs> Coan is That's back, it. and we're going to bring John Marshall Roberts in. Uh, if you missed the top of the show, you're going to you, you want to stay tuned. He is um, fabulous. He, he just wrote a book or I just finished reading a book that's fairly new called Igniting Inspiration. Uh, I love the uh, subtitle. It's A Persuasion Manual for Visionaries. So any of you with any interest in um, sort of uh, awakening the masses, beginning with your family and friends, hey, even your enemies, with this new message about how we all need to uh, be ambassadors for the earth and spread the green gospel, you will not want to miss. He has some really important um, nuggets of information, and he'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. So, Quinn, uh before we um, lead into John, who was one of the speakers at your conference uh, both last June in Monterey, California, the one I attended, and the one you had the international version of Sustainable Brands in Miami, uh, tell us a- about company- how companies have found you and-, and why you make a point of saying you are offering a neutral setting. Uh, why is it so important to help companies not only walk the green talk but talk the green talk in a way where um, you can all speak the same language and without judgment? Sure. Um, I think I'll backtrack one just second and, and uh, respond to your question before the break about how we got started and why, because I think it's a nice tie to having John on the show, because it did have to do with kind of reframing the conversation that was taking place, we saw taking place in business, from one which has historically been about responsibility and compliance and risk management to really one of opportunity for business to innovate and benefit um, by innovation for sustainability. Uh, we started off b- believing that companies ought to have a safe place to to talk about the challenges associated with going green or becoming more socially responsible. Um, we believed that there was a business case to be made for that, and so we started out really trying to, to make that case for business. It's been quite remarkable over the last couple of years since we've been in business as a company, both how quickly um, the shift has happened, as I think you alluded to Katrina in, in 2007, um, and Al Gore and some other things that kind of came together. Katrina actually was back in 2005, oh. although it seems like it was... Oh, my been... heavens, 2005, excuse yeah. me. Um, okay. Yeah, well, between 2005 and 2007, that, that the shift really really began to take place um, in awareness and business. And so um, we've, we've shifted what we're doing uh, as a company from trying to make the business case, although we do continue to um, publish a lot of research about how companies are doing and benefiting by innovating for sustainability. Um, but now we're moving more towards now, you know, once you, once you understand there's opportunity there, how do you take advantage of it? And a lot of that has to do with aligning your internal operations, both who you are, what you do, and how you do it with your communication strategies and, and brand strategies. And I was impressed in attending your conference in Monterey. You had the big companies like The Gap talking about their sustainability initiatives, and then you had the smaller companies like Method, you know, right. those two co-owners who are in their 30s and happen to be based in Marin County where I live, um, really kind of setting the world on fire in a whole new way with their green products um, and and. and, and and Clorox with their GreenWorks initiative, you know, really taking some a business that has been uh, seen, you know, up until a few years ago, cleaning products were seen as clean, but in fact they're not so clean in all cases. And and how there's companies really stepping in to to meet the demand for you know cleaner, healthier products. And that's exactly right. I think our our belief and our assumption is that there are people who want to do that the right thing throughout all sectors of society, and that includes inside big corporations. We respect that um, big corporations have particular um, operating parameters that are challenging for them to work within, and so our um, 
you know, perspective is that we'd like to, you know, acknowledge that and trust that there are people who, if given the right tools, um, would like to do the right thing. And, and we've been just overwhelmed by the response to that um, and the interest in the, the big corporate, um, you know, client base that we serve in all of the innovations that, that's happening in the social entrepreneurship space. So, um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about Clorox as a great example of some of the innovations that's happening both internally in terms of launching new brands but also in terms of looking to innovators like Burt's Bees, which they've recently acquired um, as a means of, of, of learning quickly what they haven't known as an organization up to this point. In particular, my favorite talk, I think, was um, by Bill Morrissey, if yes. I pronounce his last name correctly, with Clorox, talking very candidly in front of about um, 2,000 people there in the room uh, about some of the challenges they had, you know, um, being Clorox um, and having some products that perhaps in the past were not seen as, you know, green, uh, introducing a truly green product that had been researched and tested, and it took several years for them to put the Greenworks natural cleanings product line on the market because they wanted to make sure that they, you know, when held up to scrutiny by the, um, you know, environmental activists out there, they would uh, they would hold up. And not only did they hold up, but I think an endorsement by the Sierra Club and a partnership there certainly, you know, spoke volumes. But it's a good time to bring in John Marshall Roberts because Bill was very authentic and candid in, in talking about their challenges. And I think that's why it really resonated with people. So how important is it to to be honest, John Marshall Roberts? Hello. Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think I think what we're finding is that there's a sort of a shift in values and the way people are looking at communication. Uh, we're shifting from looking at it as the passage of information to achieve a preset goal uh, and more as a creative act. Uh, when, when we, uh, as leaders, sustainable leaders, at least from my point of view, I hope to create a sustainable company or sustainable, you know, really create something that lasts. <laughs> Authenticity and honesty becomes very, very important, uh, in my opinion. You know I, what? You know what? We're just about to go into another spot break. That's how excited I was. I didn't even look at the time before I introduced you. Uh, do we have time? We, we think we do have time. Okay. okay. All right. Yes, keep going. Sorry. Well, just just to say that to me, uh, honesty and authenticity really are at the heart of uh, inspired or transformational communication, which, from my point of view, is also what's going to be necessary to make a lot of these good ideas we have uh, get traction in the real world. I'm so used to going to news at the bottom of the hour that uh, here it is 26 after and we... Um, we, we do have time, so that's great. I thought we had to go to break early. So, so John, uh, I mentioned that you are an author. You are a former psychology professor. You're really a communication specialist who's developed a whole new paradigm, a way of speaking. In our last segment, we will um, be able to drill down with you a little bit more about uh, and, and break that down in terms of why you have a message that is new. I mean, you think about it. We've all been communicating for a long time, we humans. What could you possibly come up with that's sort of a new way of, of speaking and communicating that's really going to break through all the noise? And so those who want to learn more about John's um, work and his book, um, stay tuned for that. But uh, in this segment, we are going to continue our discussion about um, talking to companies that come to conferences like Sustainable Life Media, Sustainable Brands, to learn how to how to be greener. How did it go in Miami, John, when you gave your presentation uh, to the uh, SBI, the uh, Sustainable Brands International uh, conference. It went. It, it was fantastic, and Coen has put together just she's she's doing it right in my book. It, it was such an honor to be able to um, take these ideas into that environment. These are professionals who are ready to make a difference. They're they're uh, they're not so caught up in ideology that they don't understand practicality, and they're not so caught up in practicality that they've lost their ideals. Uh, and a lovely so, way to say it. <laughs> did that make sense? Uh, absolutely. It's uh, certainly the bridge that we're trying to build. So <laughs> yeah. So their brand is right, uh, right for the time, and I'm just uh, so honored to be a part of helping them uh, create that vision that that was that created the company in the first place. Yeah, there are a lot of green websites out there, amazing, you know, growth there, and and a lot of email and just different ways of communicating. But is there something unique or special about coming together in the same room, or at least in the same? Uh, hotel, green hotel, hopefully, and and having you know face to face conversations. I think so. Just in the many green conferences I've attended, that that's where some magic happens. Relationships are formed, and you can be very efficient with transfer of information. Well, I think Coan is an expert at this. Why don't you talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing that can replace a face to face until we figure out how to, um, you know, increase the the level of bandwidth that we can uh, pump pump uh, feedback through digitally. Um, the, the, you know, the capacity for really connecting with people face-to-face -face is not um, replicable online. And, 
you know, we, we do see our face-to-face events as an opportunity to kind of create a, a, a little bit of a bonfire and get the spark going, and then um, we use the digital space to keep that going over the course of the time between, between uh, being together. And speaking of time and our time together, we are going to continue after the spot break. Uh, we are speaking uh, with John Marshall Roberts and Coen Bakorin Escruzenertz of Sustainable Life Media, our wonderful content partner and uh, sponsoring charter member, partner, all that good stuff. Uh, we, we can be so efficient when we join forces and uh, appreciate their help in making this program possible. John Marshall Roberts, we hope, will be a regular contributor. And we'll be back right after this break talking about some specific uh, case studies, some ex- specific examples that have come out of John and Coen's work with sustainable brands and uh, how you can benefit from that if you have a company of your own. So stay with us. You're listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. Hey, that's me. Right back. Thank you for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. You need to know how to keep your family safe. We'll help you do that with the Keeping Your Family Safe radio program. These days, there are all sorts of concerns being brought to the forefront about environmental and safety hazards in the homes we live in. You might not even know what lies underneath the roof and within the walls. Angelo Garcia III, an expert on indoor air quality and safety consulting, will take you inside your home and help you and your family stay secure. Keeping Your Family Safe airs Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. Join forward-looking business thinkers, brand strategists, designers, sustainability executives, and communications experts at the third annual gathering of business leaders focused on innovating for sustainability. Sustainability is the key driver of business opportunity and brand value in today's business climate. Sustainable Brands Conference promises to inspire, equip, and engage you to build business success by doing good. Over the years, market-making companies like Coca-Cola, Clorox, GE, HP, Johnson & Johnson, Nestle Purina, Office Depot, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, Toyota, Walmart, and many others have often brought surprising and revelatory stories of sustainable brand success to the event, in turn spurring similar innovation in other companies. The three-day Sustainable Brands Conference is taking place at the Monterey Conference Center, the former home of the TED Conference from May 31st to June 4th. Early registration rates are in effect, and EcoTalk listeners will receive a complimentary night stay at the Monterey Marriott, the conference hotel, by using code ECOTALK4H until rooms are sold out. For more information, visit us online at www.sustainablebrands09.com or call 650-344-9693. That's 650-344-9693. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This is the Green Talk Network, helping to provide a sustainable future for us all. Listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. The phone lines are open for your comments and questions at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send Betsy Rosenberg an email. Her address is Betsy at thegreenfront.com. Now back to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. And I also want to say a word about our wonderful theme song for this new show. It is called Talk It Up. It's by an artist named J.P. Taylor out of Florida, and he's fabulous. We're going to have him on a program pretty soon. He's got an entire CD of uh, environmentally-themed music that's got a great beat. Again, this one is called Talk It Up, and that's really perfect for this program because we want um, what, you he- what you hear here to not stay here, unlike Las Vegas. We want you to uh, spread the word, spread what you've heard uh, on this program to your friends, as I say, friends, family, enemies, anybody, because uh, 
uh, we are speaking the green gospel. If it sounds like a religion, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> We've got to get religious because um, who knows how we all got here on this planet, but um, it really is not overstating it to say our future is threatened. And so we don't think there's anything more important than talking about how we can all come together to um, really undo some of the damage that we unknowingly created. I'm going to get back to our conversation with Coanne from Sustainable Life Media and John, who has written a book called Igniting Inspiration, and they have worked together on putting great com- uh, conferences together, Sustainable Brands, uh, 08 last year and 09 coming up at the end of May. We'll be talking more about that with Coanne. But uh, first tell us uh, some of the examples um, of, of your work, John, with um, utility you say, in, in helping them communicate uh, their practices. I imagine also trying to turn around their image. Utilities traditionally are seen as kind of um, the bad guys. But I know in San Francisco, PG&E, boy, you can't see a bus without, you know, PG&E greening your city. Uh, they've, really, they've really turned themselves around. Well, it's, yeah, and it's a huge topic, so I don't, you know, I could take up a whole hour uh, just getting started with it. But basically, I'm very, uh, had the opportunity to be called uh, to help some think tanks within the within the utility industry uh, understand their customers better, not in terms of demographics, but in terms of psychographics, the deep value systems that they use to make sense of the world. Uh, and through the research that I've, uh, uh, there's a psychologist named Claire W. Graves who I write about in my book, but he put together what is truly a practical uh, and just insightful um, uh, framework uh, that socially and environmentally conscious companies of any sort can use to really access their audiences at a deeper level. So what I've been doing is within the utility industry, helping them uh, learn how to create messages for different value systems, different users uh, of their utilities, so that they can get them to take action uh, and enroll them in energy-saving programs and buy smart meter technology. So there's all this huge capital investment that uh, that we're putting into our energy infrastructure. Uh, but until we get people to take action and use the stuff, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. So uh, I've been lucky to help apply some fantastic psychology research to this problem, and I'm finding that uh, a lot of these utility providers are extremely receptive and eager to soak this up because they're trying to manage a huge shift right now in the way they do business, a uh, shift from being sort of a more bureaucratic, old-school, slow-moving uh, industry to one that has to be flexible and adaptive and, and quick to respond and message and relate to people uh, on that level. So it's a, it's a huge challenge, and I've been very uh, pleased to do some quantitative and focus group research to help them understand it. And just to um, provide some perspective on, on one example, again, PG&E is my utility provider, and I've been covering the Green Beat, as I said in the introduction, long enough to have a few stories to tell and, and perspective um, to, to, you know, sort of um, draw from, and that is I remember interviewing someone who had tried to start the solar um, program at PG&E, this was probably eight years ago, and who eventually left because he felt PG&E, the utility was trying, the management was trying to sabotage the solar program, that the utility didn't really feel that going to renewable energy in a big way was in their interest. And, and again, as I said, PG&E I think is probably the greenest utility in the country now, and their CEO is um, really you know, widely, highly regarded and widely spoken as Sort of uh, you know being in the forefront, sort of the Ray Anderson of the utilities. So it shows you that um, you know, given the inspiration and the motivation and the information, companies and utilities and hopefully the whole world can change. Well, absolutely, and I, and I think that this this conversation is uh, important for anyone who wants to create a business that sustains. Uh, we really uh, can't do this with just the people who've already drank the Kool Aid. Uh, we need to we need to understand how to get through to the people who who we may have judged in the past as as not as being an obstruction and learn how to get them on board. I think that's the challenge of the visionaries of, of you know the business leaders of tomorrow. Um, that's why Coan uh, inspires me so much is because she's bringing those people uh, together uh, to 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 learn this stuff and apply it to real world uh, challenges. And those old world dichotomies like it's the inco- economy versus the environment. You know, that always seemed false, really, because there's no economy on a dead planet, right? And <laughs> I didn't come up with that quote. That's from the late, great um, Brower. Let's see. Was that? Uh, yeah, it was Brower, David Brower. Um, and, and it's so true. We're seeing that, you know, played out now. So uh, when, you, when you hear about, um, I mean, I remember President Bush, uh, W., uh, former President Bush talking about how if we, you know, pass, if the Senate passed CAFE standards, corporate average fuel economy standards, this was back in the uh, 2002, 2003, Senate debates on this, that um, it will cost jobs and hurt the economy if uh, Detroit is forced to make more fuel-efficient vehicles. Well, guess what? They were not forced. That, that uh, legislation, which, by the way, was um, 
sort of uh, spearheaded by John Kerry and John McCain, so it was bipartisan. That was uh, defeated. Uh, more about that in a future show, because uh, my other hat is founder of Don't Be Fueled, Mothers for Clean and Safe Vehicles, uh, You know, saying it will cost jobs, hurt the economy. Well, we did nothing, and guess what? We've lost how many jobs has GM and Chrysler and Ford lost? I mean, it's not just the car industry, but we all know what's been going on lately with them and the economy is hurting. So it's not true that doing anything for our environment is going to have a detrimental economic impact. In fact, I'm sure you guys can speak to this when you speak to companies. You know, reducing waste and being more energy efficient saves money. Absolutely. What about about the competitive advantage, um, either one of you, you know, that you've seen as companies green their practices and their image? Uh, Have have they had positive results just in terms of um, public feedback and, and public perception? I think there's growing numbers of research all over the the uh, research, um, you know, it, uh, growing growing amount of research. Excuse me about that topic. And yes, the um, companies that are um, committed to sustainability are demonstrated to have generally more intelligent business strategies um, to begin with. And actually, there's a research we just published this week uh, that discussed the financial performance of companies that are committed to sustainability as being significantly better off in the March to November 2008 timeframe than those that weren't. So, in fact, I think I saw on your newsletter that comes out um, coincidentally on Thursday, Sustainable yes. Trans Weekly, which you yes. can tell people how they can get on that list, said something about 15% greater. That's, That's correct. 25. And while that may not sound dramatic, um, boy, it's only going to grow. So right. that is a real turn. Absolutely. And as I understand it, for years, uh, stock evaluators have looked at a, at a company's environmental policy as a sign of its management quality. That's exactly right. And I spoke over you a little bit, John, because I just want to make sure that um, Cohen got a plug-in for how people can get that newsletter. But uh, if you could just repeat what you said, because I didn't hear the beginning of it. John? Oh, me. Okay. No, I was just trying to help you uh, go along with uh, building a case for the value of sustainable uh, business strategies on an economic level. Um, I do think the game has changed somewhat now, and there's, we're really in the midst right now of the kind of uncertainty of which I, I've never been a part of in my life. Uh, and uh, I believe now is actually, a, if we were living into a future of sustainable businesses, uh, this is exactly what it would look like, in my opinion. The way systems change and transform is through chaos and uncertainty. And so I personally, when everyone around, is, everyone around me seems to be panicking, I'm exactly I'm very excited uh, because I realize that uh, the only way people take on a new paradigm and start rethinking the way they look at their business is when the old models don't work anymore. Yeah, you're definitely not alone in that. Uh, I think that's a pretty consistent perspective across our community. And it's nice to be in a place where there's optimism and a positive way to think about what's going on around us right now. And it's the green lining in the in the black cloud, as I've been saying. Is yeah. people tend to start getting nervous, and I've had friends who were not particularly interested in in my environmental you know projects, um, saying I'm really scared. It's really frightening, and I'm saying, well, welcome to my world. <laughs> I've been frightened about climate change for a long time, and of course we're you know not at all immune to the um, economic uh, struggles we all face. But you know, it's sort of like, well, at least people are sobering up a bit. At least we're getting people's attention, and. I think the real challenge, the real opportunity here is to say it's not about going into the dark ages at all. It's about using what's happening as, as a catalyst, as, as momentum, as energy to really create, you know, the future green economy. And we have a, a president who is in the forefront. I, I, every time I, you know, see him on television, he, he never misses a, a chance to, to bring it up, and that's a, a refreshing change. And I think, you know, it's funny to me, and I have the psychology background, so I frame the world that way, but the paradox of change. Uh, people say they want change, and people are terrified of change. Uh, and the, the basic equation that seems to operate for most of the world is that people don't change until they see that the pain of not changing outweighs the pain of changing. Well, uh, the pain of not changing has gotten pretty high. And both personally and then you can extrapolate it, I guess, to planetarily. Uh, we, we see where we're going if we if we don't make changes, and... I think uh, it's, it really is a great time to be alive, as Paul Hawkins says, because of you know, the fact that we got ourselves here, mostly unknowingly. We didn't really set out to be you know, so um, successful at development, you know, economic progress, and building you know, homes and, and track you know, neighborhoods all across America and paving over nature. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we've kind of hit the um, point of excess, and now it's like, wait a minute, um, what happened to that creek in the neighborhood where I grew up? And 
are those tadpoles turning into frogs still there? And what about that walnut orchard that my house was, you know, one of two houses on that street and behind was nothing but trees in Silicon Valley, which is, well, back then it was the land of fruit and nut trees, but now it's Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, what happened to that and what are we losing um, with losing nature? And, and so there's a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, what we have lost, what we stand to lose if we don't sort of wake up and smell the CO2. But I have to say, and I'm sure you two would agree, there's never been a more exciting time to be, you know, putting all this into the mix and, and seeing what we can come up with. No question. We see it as opportunity. And I just have to say, and, and trust me, Coan's not paying me to say these things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm encouraged by is when I meet, uh, you know, the leaders who are helping this along, and I, I, I recognize that they have that practicality, that seasoned business experience, but they haven't shut down to the, uh, they haven't shut their minds. They're open. They're open-minded. Uh, they're open to different ways of looking at things. Um, the only, we can't. We, we. It seems to me that we need to let go of a lot of our ideologies, a lot of our preconceptions about what's right and what isn't, so that we can reformulate uh, the way we look at the world. And, and that's really what I see happening on the forefront of the business leaders. Too often, when we get into a conversation like this, uh, people who uh, are looking through a lens of just to profit see it as, as, as not practical, and they tune it out. Uh, but the fact is there's nothing more practical because there comes a point where uh, practicality becomes very impractical. Everything we're doing is operating from a paradigm that's dying, uh, and until we're willing to ask the right questions, we'll never get the right results. Uh, so I'm just excited that uh, that this conversation has become useful and eminently practi- practical, and I have un- a lot of admiration for the people who, who are, are able to see the value of it. And we are going to continue our conversation with John Marshall Roberts and Coen Vickerin is Rusnert right after these messages you're listening to On the Green Front with your host, Nancy Rosenberg. For listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. Many designers are adapting their design process. They are developing methods to address the environmental impact of their work. Graphic, industrial, interior, architectural, landscape, identity, and fashion designers share a common experience. By revealing the thought processes of people from a wide range of design disciplines, your understanding of sustainable design strategies will deepen. Join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, for Design Evolution on the Green Talk Network. Join forward-looking business thinkers, brand strategists, designers, sustainability executives, and communications experts at the third annual gathering of business leaders focused on innovating for sustainability. Sustainability is the key driver of business opportunity and brand value in today's business climate. Sustainable Brands Conference promises to inspire, equip, and engage you to build business success by doing good. Over the years, market-making companies like Coca-Cola, Clorox, GE, HP, Johnson & Johnson, Nestle Purina, Office Depot, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, Toyota, Walmart, and many others have often brought surprising and revelatory stories of sustainable brand success to the event, in turn spurring similar innovation in other companies. The three-day Sustainable Brands Conference is taking place at the Monterey Conference Center, the former home of the TED Conference from May 31st to June 4th. Early registration rates are in effect, and EcoTalk listeners will receive a complimentary night stay at the Monterey Marriott, the conference hotel, by using code ECOTALK4H until rooms are sold out. For more information, visit us online at www.sustainablebrands09.com or call 650-344-9693. That's 650-344-9693. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Felzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. 
listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. You're listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. The phone lines are open for your comments and questions at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send Betsy Rosenberg an email. Her address is Betsy at thegreenfront.com. Now back to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. And we are back, continuing our conversation with Coen Vickerin-Skrizenert. She is the CEO and founder of Sustainable Life Media, one of our wonderful sponsors and content partners. also want to thank Clorox, the Greenworks uh, Natural Products line, for being one of our sponsors. I happen to love their products. I am uh, officially proud to endorse them, and we'll be hearing more about their line of products as we go forward. Also, our friends at Mighty Leaf Tea, Jill and Gary, they are the founders of my favorite tea company. If you haven't checked them out, you can catch them online at MightyLeaf.com. You can order tea, more importantly, and you can also find them in Whole Foods stores now across the country. Coen, before we um, get into John's work a little bit more, I just want to make sure you have a chance to tell people uh, how they can um, be a recipient of your fabulous weekly information-packed newsletter, Sustainable Brands Weekly. Sure. If you have listeners out there who are looking to find opportunities through sustainability in their business, you can find us at sustainablelifemedia.com backslash newsletters. Terrific. And, and John Marshall Roberts, in case you're just joining us, is a powerful thought leader and an accomplished public speaker in the burgeoning field of inspirational communications. In fact, his new book that I highly recommend is called Igniting Inspiration, a Persuasion Manual for Visionaries. So, John, what's all this talk about inspirational communication? Is that a you know, bunch of fluff, smoke and mirrors? What do you say to cynics who say this is a, sounds like a bunch of California, Marin County woo-woo talk? I'm not interested. Don't need it. I usually uh, agree with them and try to sell them snake oil uh, at that point. Um, what I've found is that I love cynics uh, because I guess perhaps at some level I've, I'm one of those or have been and struggled with that. Uh, but uh, what I've come to recognize is that uh, you know cynicism is to inspiration what uh, you know what the cold is to heat. They're, they're opposites. Um, inspiration is what happens when we stop being cynical. Uh, ultimately, it's what happens when we can let go of our mind and, and be present. It's our natural state. You know, you don't meet many smug babies, you know, <laughs> cynic- uh, or I haven't, and if you meet one, that tell me that's scary stuff. But uh, usually babies are inspired, okay? <laughs> and uh, as we, uh, what I've found is that it's not always that hard uh, to get people to that state but we do have to understand how to engage cynicism in order to do that because cynicism is the last barrier uh, that a person clings to when they're about to let go of an old dying belief system. Well put, and uh, I like that challenge, too. I've always said I don't want to just speak to the Green Choir. That's why I've tried to stay on mainstream radio networks like CBS and Air America trying to reach the unconverted because it's much more interesting and fun. It is, and, and what's interesting is that this conversation, we can go as deep as you want. I mean, this is scientific. This isn't just, you know, a couple of college kids sitting around in, a, in the dorm room pontificating life. This is practical stuff. Our president got where he is on a platform of hope versus cynicism, and he's pretty. he understands this stuff. Martin Luther King understood this stuff. Gandhi understands this stuff. Transformational leaders understand that people don't change until they let go of the past, and they need to cultivate a sense of trust for people to be willing to do that. So in a sense, job one for a transformational, inspirational leader is to be trustworthy, to be authentic, because if we don't, everything we do is coming from an intention to manipulate. And no matter how articulate we are, people can feel it when we're trying to manipulate, whether it's through a marketing campaign, which I've done plenty, right? you know, where, where the intention is to manipulate, or whether it's through a politician whose intention is to manipulate. So it's really interesting now, uh, I think, to start to see the deeper dynamics of how change happens. Uh, and we can take it to degrees that Obama didn't even nearly approach uh, in his campaign, and I'm excited to help companies do that. Great, and we have five minutes left so we can go as deep as time allows, or actually now about four minutes, but we will have you back on a regular basis, I hope, to talk about transformational design. In reading your book, John, one of the things I found most interesting is that, on the one hand, you're saying people are all the same. I mean, we do have this you know, shared... Uh, interest in what happens to our planet, our home. And and yet we're all different in terms of the way we process information. And and you had some breakdown of different types of people and their maybe their level of evolution as as humans, if that's not too 
um, judgmental. And it's not. You do it in a way that just, it's, it's no right or wrong or better or worse. It's just different levels. And how to speak to each group, but with that, you know, sort of that underneath that foundation, that understanding that we are all coming from the same place, which is right. um, wanting the best for ourselves and our children and beyond. Right. So that is a paradox, isn't it? And it's sticky. Uh, so what I've tried to do in the book is lay it out very clearly. Uh, the entire book is organized around two questions. One is how are, okay, the idea here is that uh, we, we don't have a map anymore. The old maps aren't working. We need a new one. Uh, and the new map is one in which we have to understand humans better. Uh, we've had an outdated map of human nature. Um, and in order to be an effective communicator, we have to be operating from a, from an updated map. And basically, there's two questions that we need to answer. One is, how are all of us alike? What do we all share, regardless of our background, our demographics, our personal histories, and all that stuff? And then the other question is, how do we all differ in a meaningful way? What are the meaningful differences? And so what I've done in the book is use a combination of systems theory, developmental psychology, and common sense to uh, ask those two questions, answer those two questions, and then put it together in a very simple way so that we can strategically, step-by-step, understand how to create communications that get through uh, to those deeper layers of our audience and inspire them to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And, and even though we're talking about very serious and deep issues, the survival of the planet and the species and beyond, you use humor, which I always appreciate. Humor is the best thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, I find it easy to be funny when people are expecting me to be serious, right, because uh, then I get to rebel against their expectations. So in the book, I get to try to make fun of stuff. But, I mean, the truth is humor is no laughing matter. When it comes to communication, uh, humor is what allows us to get past a lot of those filters that people have. Uh, because the mind is a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> to waste or use uh, it's a terrible thing. No, when it comes to inspiration, the mind could be a terrible thing because the mind is that you always here trying to take whatever I'm saying and, and apply it to its own, uh, you know, goals. It's like a, it's like a vampire sometimes to our, to our sense of well-being. So I'm not, you know, obviously I want to develop the mind. I believe in critical thinking. I believe in all that stuff. I mean, I'm a scientist. That's my background. I'm doing research. So obviously the mind's important, but it can be very suffocating. Uh, because it keeps out new possibilities because it's based on past programming. So uh, I find humor is a good way to explode all that and just uh, just uh, start again. You know what else is a terrible thing to waste, guys? A rind. A rind is a terrible thing to waste. I hope you all <laughs> compost. It's the easiest thing you can do. We'll have to do a whole program on that. Uh, <laughs> compost happens. Uh, we just have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure that our listeners have a way to find out more about your work. If you could each give out your websites, any um, important information, links, et cetera, and then I'll try to do the same before we wrap up. Please go ahead, John. Okay. Well, uh, my website is jmarshallroberts.com. And there's two L's in Marshall? Two L's in Marshall. So jmarshallroberts.com. You can go on there. You can read my blogs. You can check out my book. Go on Amazon and look at all the testimonies, see if it sounds like something that would interest you. Despite all the high-flying rhetoric, this is actually some pretty grounded, uh, results-oriented stuff we're doing. Go ahead. And sustainablelifemedia.com. Plenty of news and information and resources, research on... Um, profiting through sustainable innovation. Okay, thanks so much. And I don't yet have a new website for On the Green Front, but if you want to find out a little bit more about um, me, Betsy Rosenberg, and my previous work, you can go to ecotalk, E-C-O-T-A-L-K dot net, and you'll find all my shows archived going back to 2005. And I also want to thank our sponsors once again, Sustainable Life Media, Mighty Leaf Tea. They have a great line of organic teas. It's really the best. They've got black, white, green, red teas, everything you could possibly want. You can find them at Whole Foods and also Clorox with their new line of Greenworks, a natural cleaning product. We'll be talking more about all of that. We thank you so much for joining us for our premiere edition of On the Green Front. Kind of chokes me up to be back on the radio and the airwaves and on the Internet, where I understand more and more people are tuning in all the time. So it makes me feel young. See you next time. been listening to On the Green Front with your host, Betsy Rosenberg. We hope you'll join us again live next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network.